I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Insight Out. Part of our podcast. <laughs> the bonus sort of. excerpt. Yeah. <laughs> the session this week that Drew and I had, he and I were talking about, he's thinking of getting a dog. And we just talked about our emotional connection to our old dogs and quick little stories about them. But it sparked us talking about how we lean on our animals for support and what it actually means to have an emotional support animal and a service animal and what the difference is and therapists kind of digging into that. I have some very strong opinions about emotional support animals. And so Doug and I were going back and forth and breaking it down. And then we were like, oh, let's do an Inside Out episode about it. And here we are. And to be clear, your strong feelings on emotional support animals is not necessarily on the animals themselves, but on the ethics and how therapists who are required to sign off or if, you're, if your animal is going to be an emotional support animal, you need a therapist letter stating that, right? Let's define for everyone. I know you literally put out, wrote out the definitions, but there's a difference between an emotional support animal, a service animal, and a psychiatric right. service animal. There's an emotional support animal, a service dog, and a, the subcategory of service dog is a psychiatric service dog. Okay, so there's also a very uh, vanilla description of what a therapy dog is. It's not accurate most of the time for what we're talking about to say therapy dog. A therapy dog is a dog that provides affection and comfort to individuals like in hospital settings, nursing homes, and other facilities. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. Right, They correct. can be trained, but they don't really require any special certificate or anything like that. Right. So that's a therapy dog, Yeah. Right. And that those are, are dogs that provide their service to others to just help them feel good. It's sort of like some people call it puppy therapy. Yeah. Yeah. To go visit and say hi. Right. It's like goat yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Have you ever done goat yoga? No, that's probably just an LA thing though. I assume for all of our listeners, maybe not. I've had goat cheese and done yoga, but that's probably different. At the same time, that doesn't sound like it would feel good. But, a little, you know. little gassy, a little gassy in yoga class. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So emotional support animal is an animal that's helpful to people who suffer from mental and emotion, mental health, emotional health issues, and they provide safety and well-being. They do not have to be trained. Correct. Period. There's actually no registry for an emotional support animal. So, you know, there's actually no registry for any of them. So if you true. go online and it says register your animal, it's just a place wanting to make some money because it's not really a thing. Correct. The next one is a service dog. So a service dog that most people see is like a uh, seeing eye dog, right? So a service dog is trained to perform specific tasks for individuals. Right. Right. Well, specific tasks for individuals that have an actual disability. Yeah. 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 A psychiatric service dog is trained to perform specific tasks. It needs to respond to the owner's need for a disability and be trained to recognize the need for help in the first place. So for example, reminding an owner to take their meds or to stop people with dissociative episodes from like wandering around or preventing or stopping self-harm, 
providing safety checks and room searches for people with PTSD before they walk into a room. That is what a psychiatric service dog does. Right. And most people, when they see a dog with, you know, the service dog on it, like working dog, don't pet, don't touch. It's right. Because the dog is doing a certain task and is, is performing its function. And it's, it's something where service animals cannot be restricted. You can take them pretty much anywhere. Emotional support animals, there are two laws or acts that are generally cited when, when a therapist writes a letter saying that one is a service animal, which is the Fair Housing Act, which is something that landlords cannot discriminate against people with emotional support animals. That's housing. And the, the Air Carrier Access Act, which allows you to take a, a pet on an airplane in the cabin with you because it's providing support for you that you would not otherwise be able to fly, right? Right. So to that, first we'll talk about the flying and we'll talk about the whole restaurant thing in a minute. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, so you have feelings. the flying thing, I have feelings about everything. Mm -hmm. So just to be clear, it's only cats and dogs. There have been recent attempts. One was, I'm sure you guys heard to take a peacock on as an emotional support animal. What? And one was to take a squirrel on. That. Oh, yeah, that was a fucking clusterfuck. That was unbelievable. Wasn't there a documentary about uh, taking snakes on a plane? Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. It was super high quality, too. Right. And then there was a, it was Samuel Jackson who was trying to take his snakes on a plane, right? Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, something like that. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so there was the peacock, there was also a squirrel. Not allowed. It is dogs and cats only. So here's the thing. If you are going to bring your dog on a plane because, or your cat, mostly dogs, I think, because you need them for comfort and safety, great. And also really, really important that your animals are trained. So in 2017, there was a man who was bitten in, a fa in the face by a dog right. on a plane. Yep. In 2017, there was a five-year-old mauled in the gate area by a dog. Uh, 2018, there was another kid bitten and something, I can't remember, they had to have their face reconstructed. In last year, there was a flight attendant bitten by a dog. These are all emotional, quote, I'm doing air quotes, emotional support animals. Right. Delta no longer allows any emotional support animals on flights longer than eight hours. So if you want to bring your dog internationally further than eight hours away, don't fly, don't fly Delta. Delta. Right. And I get it. Like I totally get not wanting to put your dog in a crate under the plane. I totally understand that when that's the main reason I have plenty of friends who do not have or need an emotional support animal that just want to bring their animals everywhere. I get it. I totally understand the feeling. I understand. Sure. And also that's not what emotional support animals are. Yeah. And that's, again, there's no true training or certificate. So yes, if you see anything that says, get a certificate for your emotional support animal, it's, it's crap. Don't do it. And anybody requiring something is not requiring a certificate. They're requiring a letter from a treating therapist um, or psychologist or psychiatrist. What, you know, Meredith, you're talking about like 
those are dogs that are not necessarily trained because they could be growling, biting, barking, jumping up on people, going to the bathroom in the gate area or on the plane. Those are all not okay. And those are, are behaviors that a truly trained dog would not engage in. And by the way, who is responsible for the liability of the man bitten in the face is the therapist that wrote the letter. That's right. So this, this kind of leads into where, I mean, we have our own personal and professional opinions of this. I think where we get into the professional opinion is that, and this is speaking to not just therapists out there, also clients asking for this, that it really has to be an animal that is trained and provides emotional support. And you can't go just get a letter from somebody. You can't show up for one visit and get it. You can, if the therapist lets you. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. You, you can totally do yeah. that. It will serve to delegitimize having an actual emotional support animal and having an actual letter from a therapist. Which is what's happened over time. Right. And therapists will sometimes say, oh yeah, just bring your dog in to, to let me know that it's okay. That doesn't tell you that the dog is okay. It says that it's okay in your office that one time, in that one place. Yeah. By the way, I used to do that. I would have clients that I knew that their dogs were, did provide them emotional support. And I'd be like, okay, well, bring your dog in. Let me get to know him. And the truth is, what I am then saying is, as a therapist, that I am qualified to determine a dog's behavior where I am certainly not. And in hindsight, I was like, oh shit, I can't do this. So I will no longer write any letters unless you bring me one from a dog trainer saying that the dog is trained. Absolutely. And that's, it's a real tough thing because for our clients, you know, we're going to want to do the thing that's best for them. Well, what's best for them might not be just signing off on a letter to let them take an, an animal on a plane. And that certainly might not be best for us because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. It's something where, you know, it, it's a lot different than being able to get permission to have uh, a dog or cat in your apartment. You know, when the owner or landlord says you can't, you get the letter and yes, you can. Taking it on a plane it is much different. And then what you were going to segue to about taking it into a restaurant, right? Or a supermarket. Bring it on. Supermarket, um, whatever. I mean, I'm not stoked on it, but whatever. Restaurants, first of all, I'm allergic to animals, unless it's a doodle or any sort of uh, hairlet, not hairlets, you know, so, you know, you guys know I'm what I mean. allergic to Beckett. Uh, no, I love animals. I love all animals. I'm obsessed with animals. I watch dog videos to make me happy all the time. <laughs> I also don't think that it's the fact that it doesn't violate health codes to have dog dander and fur flying around. I've been to a restaurant with a friend of mine who fed her fucking dog from the table. And I was like, what are you doing? Like it was sitting on her lap and she fed him. And I was like, that is so horrifying. And the plain thing, by the way, if you're allergic they're required to like move you to another area if you're sitting next to a dog. Right. The other thing that I noticed over time, my mom, she was in a wheelchair and people are lack so much awareness sometimes right. about their animals. They don't keep them right next to them. So my mom like, you know, would be like tripping over or trying to get around, maneuver around these animals that, that people weren't paying attention to. 
I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Like, and I would get really frustrated. I'd be like, excuse me, can you move your dog, please? Right. Thanks for letting it lie in the aisle. But like, you know, <laughs> and it's not even that they can be on patios. You know, you were saying, you know, the only thing that someone's allowed to ask you is, does this dog provide you a service? And if it does, well, what are they allowed to ask you? <laughs> two questions and two questions only. Right. Uh, do you have a disability? And does the, what, what service specific task does the dog provide? Right. And most people don't ask. They don't. In fact, a lot of places are trained and told if you see a dog, especially one wearing something that says working dog or service animal or emotional support. Which of course you can also buy online right? and it's not true. But they're trained to not ask anything. And it, it creates this very difficult situation where we are trying to culturally accept that some people have a legitimate need and we need to make accommodations. And there are many people that take advantage of that. Not all, but many do. And there are some people that get very upset seeing an animal in certain public places and they will challenge the person or they will challenge the establishment, whatever business it might be, to challenge the person because they don't want it there. And you know, that sense of humanity we've gotten pretty far away from where on both ends, people just recognize it and go, okay. And the people with the animal take care of the animal and have it be appropriately trained for what it's doing. Right. Totally. Yeah. Just like be respectful, you know? Right. And, and again, it's, it's sort of like the way I feel about before marijuana was legalized recreationally, the medical marijuana stores that they had and the people were abusing them so much that the people that they, I mean, I remember in LA, they shut down like a couple hundred of them at once. Oh yeah. And it was like, do the people who actually need this, like now they can't get what they need, you know? And sort right. of, it's like, I get it. I'm not a miss goody two shoes. I think you all know that, but there is a level <laughs> of like, you know, respect and following the rules that I think are important sometimes. Yeah. And you know, again, there are a lot of people that will take advantage of of these laws and, and these acts to just be able to do whatever they want to do. And there are people that see others who might have a, a legit animal thinking that they're taking advantage and feeling like it's unfair. And they will not with a sense of humanity, with a sense of almost aggression sometimes go after people. Totally. And that's the hard part. You can't judge. I mean, you can judge, of course, but you never know. It's the same thing with like a handicap parking spot. Like that person, just because they're not in a wheelchair doesn't mean they don't have epilepsy or something, you know, well, they shouldn't be driving anyway. Yeah. I think a misconception that it, that it's, you know, an issue of privilege where, you know, if you know a doctor, you can get them to sign off on something and get a handicap placard and somebody in a Porsche, you know, will just pop out in workout clothes and slap their handicap sticker on and just walk out. Right. And that's, you know, seemingly fine. It's not, it's taking advantage of something. Yeah, exactly. I have both personal and professional feelings on this. Professionally, I think therapists have a duty to actually, yeah, I said duty. They duty? have a duty to actually make sure that what they're providing when they provide an emotional support animal letter is for an animal that's been trained that truly does provide emotional support. Right. Which is important to have, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for the owners to have their dog be trained 
and not just trained to perform a specific task or to provide comfort, you know, emotionally, psychologically, but to also be kind in what they're doing. I mean, there's a reality, which is if you're, if you truly have an emotional support, let's say dog, because you don't see cats out very much um, being emotional support animals. It can happen for sure, but you see it as dogs mostly. And the, the leashes for an emotional support animal or a surface animal are shorter leashes than regular leashes. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that. They'll just use a regular six-foot leash. An emotional support leash or service animal leash is four feet long. Well, now you just told everyone that. Right. So, I mean, but everybody, if they're that interested and they really want to buck the system, go for it. Buck yeah, the yeah, system. Yeah. Go yeah. buy a four-foot leash, get your ESA or service animal you know, garb on and Amazon. karma will f- bite you in the ass. <laughs> and yeah, and I, it's funny because I Beckett, as you guys know, is both an emotional support animal and a service dog. Uh, he is incredibly well trained, well behaved. We've been in restaurants where unbelievably he is sitting at my feet and he gets approached from behind from somebody. This happened once at a restaurant on a patio, and somebody approached him from behind and tried to pet him, and he turned around and growled. And barked at them once, one bark. Like, and she kind of backed away. It was an older woman. She said, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was friendly. And I just said, Oh, he is. He's just working. You need to ask permission if you're going to approach a, a dog while he's working. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, she apologized. It was fine. It was, it was totally fine. Yeah. I've been in that same restaurant at that same meal where there were other dogs that would see Beckett and they would just go freaking nuts and be barking and whining. And that's just a restaurant that allows dogs on their patio. It's not like any of those dogs needed to be emotional support or service dogs to be there. Right, which is fine. But also just don't bring, like if you don't have a behaved (laughs) dog, don't bring them to a restaurant. My sister's dogs that I spend so much time with, both of them are spazzes. And I would never, like even if I walk into town and go to get coffee, I like don't even, I don't even leave them tied up outside because- I don't want them to like lunge at other dogs just to play. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's polite. So I'll walk into town with my sister. One of us will go in and that's inconvenient. Sure. But it's also manners and polite and being aware of other people. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because there's, like I said, a level of humanity and a level of humanity in enforcement. I've been approached by people that are like security guards at a, at a market or security guards at a store that will say, you can't have a dog in here. And I'll say, actually, I can. And here's why. I'm happy to talk to your manager if you want. I never create a scene. I often will ask if I'm taking Beckett somewhere, hey, are you okay with a dog being in here? And if they say, yeah, great, then cool. Then we go in, no problem. If they say no, then depending on do I really need to be in there, right? Yeah. But most people, and this is where I talked about privilege or entitlement, feel like, no, fuck it. I can go anywhere I want to go, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't like that, guys. I don't either. Just saying. That's my soapbox. And I get again, I just want to validate a thousand times how much we all want our dogs to be able to not be home alone and go do things with us and it's fun and traveling. You don't want them under the plane. And I get all of that. I just think also awareness is very important. If you want to buck the system and do it, just make sure your dog is fucking trained. That's <laughs> right. All. Right. I've given out ESA letters before uh, so clients could take their their dog on a flight. And for those clients, they were flying in business or first class. So I knew that there was more space. It'd be a little more contained. I've known their dogs. I've known them with their dogs, sometimes for several years. I still don't know their dog in public. 
And I'm putting my license on the exactly. line by saying, yes, here, I support you having this support on a plane. And just in general public, like walking around with a dog, I mean, for a lot of people, they just kind of shrug and go, well, you never know how a dog's going to respond. The idea is with an emotional support animal or a service animal, you always know how they're going to respond. Yep. Totally. I 99.9%. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Siegfried and Roy when the Aww. tiger bit him in the face or killed him. That was sad. Yeah. So 99.99%, you know how they'll respond, but you know, that's the same as humans. You just never know. But yeah. So those are my feelings about it. And <laughs> you guys let us know your feelings. Cause I I'm sure there are, everyone has feelings and maybe someone can enlighten me with something that I'm not aware of. I'm totally open to that. And all of this to say what we're talking about is much, much different from when Drew said, yeah, I'm thinking about getting a dog because, you know, when his mom was in town saying, yeah, you've always needed somebody to give love to. He was like, oh, maybe I'll get a dog. That way I can give my love to the dog and I'll get it back unconditionally. Yeah. This just prompted our conversation. Exactly. And that idea of, I hear this question from clients a lot. Do you think it'd be good for me to get a dog or a cat? Like psychologically, yeah, to, to provide care for somebody other than yourself, to relieve the anxiety of being alone and depression. Yeah, that can really help. That doesn't necessarily mean it's an emotional support animal that you can now take anywhere you go. Right. Exactly. But we are both very much pro pets. Yes. Love pets. Love them. Yep. And if you do want to take snakes on a plane, we can probably write a letter for that too. Think about it. Yeah. They, they, you just wrap that 40 foot boa around your neck on a plane and you will have tons of friends. That's what she said. <laughs> okay. So that's it for us today. Yeah. Stick around. You'll hear our Drew's next session on Thursday. Thanks for tuning into the Insight Out and we'll talk at you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.